All right. Thank you for joining us for another podcast here. I have a special guest. Typically, I interview real estate agents and, and talk to them about how they've built their business. But I have somebody that I've known for over 20 years. Actually, most of the people I've interviewed, I've known for a long time. I just realized that's probably quite an anomaly for a business of people moving around. But anyways, this guy I truly have known since longer than I've been in real estate, which is 20 right. years. So I've known you for probably 23 years. 23 years, probably, yeah. yeah. So it's Alan Blood with CFG Home Loans. Hi, Alan. I, I'm waving at the camera. Thanks for joining me today. <laughs> by the way, this whole setup here was inspired by Alan. He got into this, and you can follow. Do you do podcasts, or do you do little clips? or uh, Mostly I, Instagram I see, right now. I see your Instagram I'm on, I'm on a little over. YouTube, a little YouTube, yeah. but okay. AlanBlood.Mortgage Team. Alan Blood Team is where yeah. we look for you. Yes. And he's doing great videos. And, and is actually Thanks, part of our uh, mastermind group, our office meetings. And for years, you're like, I'm going to learn to do this. I'm going to learn to do this. And then you actually got like really good overnight. Just did it. it. It seemed like it was overnight, but it was... It took about a year, I think, to figure yeah. out how to do it and to get over the fact that nobody wants to be on camera. So, yeah, I do. I love this shit. Sure you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) So uh, we actually visited your office. You got a great setup. We copied all your equipment. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So, yeah, a little plagiarism going on here. I love it. Um, But, yeah, I actually – so this is just for – I'm telling you, but you know this. This is for everybody else. But before I got into real estate, I did mortgage lending. And I worked for, I'll just tell my story. I worked for, um, first of all, AmeriQuest. Do you remember them? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they're still around. They're not. Probably not. They're not. We went through a phase where the market crashed in 08 due to people writing terrible loans. And they were one of the very first of writing terrible loans. But <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It was my first company. I go there. They say, these are our rate sheets. Go sell rates. I'm selling 11 to 14% interest rates. Like, okay. Do, 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 do. <laughs> you know? And then next, I went to Green something. Greenpoint? I can't remember what they were. And they had had somebody, like, I didn't know this, but the guy's desk that I took over had just committed over a million dollars in fraud <laughs> and had been fired from it. And so I'm trying to push deals through this underwriter, and they're like, we're not going to let anything from your office go through. And I'm like, what in the crap is going on? Like, great. this is as clean as you can get and nothing. And so I, I just had one bad experience after another. And then I landed with you. And then I really, my eyes were open. Actually, <laughs> I was say, it was... <laughs> change trajectory? I mean... Actually, um, for the first time in my life, and I felt like I'd been duped for a couple of years... For the first time in my life, I saw the the back end rate sheets mm. because you like okay, here's the rates and here's what you can get paid by doing this, and I'm like, what? You know, not only were these rates that you were showing me several percentage points less than what I had been selling with these other companies, but you were telling me that I could get paid on the back end as well. And if you guys don't know what this is, what we're talking about back end stuff, you need to have a good conversation with your yeah, lender. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and it's one of the reasons I like working with a mortgage broker. So what's the difference between, you know, just in case there's brand new agents, mortgage broker, bankers, whatever. Yeah, good unions. questions. Good question. Um, structure and regulations. So a mortgage broker, we don't fund in our own name. We're not funding our own money. We're funding the money through an underwriter or a lending institution that we've signed up with. Um, a mortgage lender is technically funding in their own name, but sometimes they kind of work in between the two. And then you've got credit unions and banks that are funding in their own name and they're servicing the loan. Um, the difference is how we're really the difference is how we're regulated and how we get paid at the end of the day from a consumer's perspective. And the mortgage broker, we're a mortgage brokerage. We have to disclose that we're going to get paid either by the consumer or we're going to get paid by the bank. 
and we don't get to pay, get paid by both. And if we're playing by the rules correctly, we're going to set that compensation amount, and it's going to be a dollar amount or a percentage, and it's going to be the same for everybody, no matter how well you negotiate or how good your rate, you know, how good your credit is or how big your loan amount is, it's going to be a fixed dollar amount or a percentage, and it should stay consistent for all borrowers. And the idea being that then we're not discriminating against somebody because right. of some protected status. Everybody's getting the same deal. Um, on the banker side... You'd give me a little better deal, though. Sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> no, I would not. In fact, but This is on record. Which is on record. <laughs> which is what's great about being a mortgage broker, honestly, is because I got to give everybody the same good deal. I can't be like, oh, I know you better. You negotiated better. I'm going to give you a better deal. On the banker's side, that's not true. You can get paid both by the bank or by the funding source. You can get paid by the consumer. And you don't have to disclose what you're getting paid by the bank on the back end. So you can build all kinds of stuff into the back end that never even shows up on paperwork anywhere on a broker. Everything's up front. It's all transparent. It's all disclosed. It's all on the paperwork. Everybody sees it. Everybody signs it. And you know what's going on behind the scenes. Would you say that banks have better lobbyists than <sighs> brokers? Bank, banks have, well, here's what <laughs> banks have. Banks have more money, which is really interesting when you think about it. Because, yes, they do have better lobbyists. This and is, they have, it's really what it comes down to. It is. But They've, they have more money. And where are they getting their money? It's because they charge yeah. more, right? Like you're, yeah. you're statistically, you're going to pay more when you get a loan from a bank or a direct lender than you will from a mortgage. Being broker. a lobbyist isn't cheap, Alan. No, man, Jeez. they need they need their lattes. I know. Is that a thing? And the congressmen need their they need their private cars and planes and jets. Million dollars. Ah, I mean, come on. We don't want to be unfair here. No, we gotta we gotta no. line the pockets. Gotta look out for the little guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jeez. Yeah. So um, as a broker, we're just able to go shop out for our clients and find a really great rate and a good cost structure, whereas at a bank, you might be limited. So you can shop from different sources. A Correct. bank typically offers their own product. Mm -hmm. uh, you can shop from multiple different lending institutions, picking different products that might better match. So a quick well, and, that, example, and that's what you were describing, right? You're yeah. working at a place where they say, here's our rate sheet, go sell it. Well, at a broker, here's the 50 different rate sheets we have. What's the best deal for this client? So when I worked for you, and this was back in the... 2000, 1999, the something wild like that. days. I don't know. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It was pretty wild. <laughs> um, but uh, there was a there was a period of time where rates kept dropping, and so we could do these cash out refinances like multiple times for somebody because they just kept going down. I'm like, hey, you don't have to pay anything, and we can refinance you to a lower rate. And six months later, hey, we're making the phone do call again. again. But it was interesting to me that I refinanced a. Uh, while I was working for you, a loan officer for Wells Fargo. So she's a mortgage loan officer mm -hmm. that works for Wells Fargo, and I could refinance her and make a full commission. I'm not cutting my rates or anything. I was offering the product that we could do through your company, making a full commission on it, and doing it for cheaper than she could do it for herself. And, and we see that pretty regularly, or we'll have a client where they'll come and they'll get a quote from us and they go back to their brother-in-law who works at a direct lender or bank and they, oh, well, we'll match it. And then later they come back and say, yeah, my brother-in-law matched it. He complained the whole time that he didn't get paid anything because he had to cut out all of his commission to match what you guys were doing. Mm -hmm. you're, you're just going to save money when you work with a mortgage broker that's good at what they do and that's fair and transparent. It's going to be a better deal for the buyer. That's been my experience too. And I'm very biased. <laughs> I was going to say I'm you know, Wait, what? I mean, that's not what you want to hear, that I'm not biased, right? Like, I'll work with anybody. No, yeah. I hate working with some of these, you know, because you get to the end and then people find out partway through the process that they're getting this real crappy rate yeah. or their closing costs are insane. 
and junk and fees and extra fees and all this other weird stuff that gets hidden in there. Transparency yeah. is such a good thing. So, so yeah, I am, I am biased in favor of this model that you represent. Everyone should be. <laughs> I mean, so exactly. am I. So am I. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we've worked together for a long time. I've known you for a long time. Um, I haven't used you forever. I, I have a time period. I'm just being real honest yeah. here. Okay. Uh, there was a time period where I used you for everything. And then there was a time where I didn't feel like you were calling me back. And I'm like, you know what? Stuff happens. It, it does. And sometimes, and I try to teach agents, sometimes your favorite people take your business for granted. You got it. You know? And so I, I tell them all, have a, have a couple favorite lenders. Now, I might have a couple favorite lenders, but I send everything to you as long as you're responsive. If you take care of me, if, if I get the sense that you're taking me for granted or a title company that's taking me for granted, then I'll shift things to somebody else until you decide, hey, this is worth fighting for again. But we've worked together now for years. You've been a staple in our yeah. office. You've helped so many of our agents. And for that, I, I want to thank you. You're you welcome. Know. I appreciate um, it. But you, you're one of those that works really hard to just be good. You know your stuff. And the only frustrating thing is that when you're explaining your stuff, you're so damn smart. So you're talking, <laughs> and it's like, like, like I really have to zone in here, you know, <laughs> and, and I should probably start drinking coffee just to be able yeah. to pay attention because you know your stuff really well, and you're passionate about it, and you, when you get on a roll, you talk oh, really fast. Just put a quarter in me and ask about interest <laughs> rates, and we will <laughs> go, man. That's what it is. There's no stopping me. <laughs> so I don't know who does your editing for your Instagram videos, but they've got it. Okay, now let's slow this down. <laughs> Take this down by 80%. No, you, you know your stuff. Thanks, and, I'm, and I'm really grateful to have you on here. So a lot, Thank of, you. lot of chit chat at the start. But what I want to ask you and a question that um, I would like every agent out there, not just the new agents, but every agent out there is to stop and think, what value do my lending partners bring to me? And you've been, again, you've been doing this for what, 20, 27 years seven now, 27 years. Jeez. Mm. You're old. I've seen a few things. <laughs> um, what value can a good lender bring to an agent? How can a good lender help an agent survive? I mean, we've got this 85% yeah. dropout ratio amongst real estate agents, and yet we have resources like you that are phenomenal, that if agents knew they could tap into it, what kind of things can you bring to the table to, to help us out? I really like that question. And I'll tell you, I think kind of our conversation leading into this is, is actually a really good precursor to that. Um, what anybody on your team, I mean, be your agent, uh, your, your mortgage professional, your title person, maybe an insurance person that you go to with questions. You talk about power teams in your training. I think anybody on your power team should probably be doing this for each other. But really, the accountability that you mentioned is a really good point. I think if you have a relationship with a professional service provider that you're relying on, you're sending to your clients, and they're not providing accountability, Sitting down and having that conversation, having the exp expressed expectation can be really useful. And I think the other side is really good, too. When you have those accountability partners, um, I talked about this on a training with some other agents the other day, that you can have all the plans in the world that you want. But if you're not sharing them with somebody who's going to follow up and say, hey, did you do what you said you were going to do, right. your probability of doing it is really low. And so I think for a lot of agents, the lender can be a really great accountability partner or their broker, whoever their mortgage person is, can and probably should be. 
and should be held accountable by the agent, right? It doesn't matter how long you've known them, how long you've worked together. If I'm not providing the service, and you mentioned that, if I'm not providing the service, the responsiveness, maybe my business model, and I think the period of time you're talking, my business model was kind of a changing. I was trying out something new. Clearly, it worked fantastically well, <laughs> really delivered service. We dropped that business model. We stepped back into the business model where we return phone calls. Um, right? It's, yeah. it's key, I think. Uh, but just um, having that accountability, I think, is a really big deal. And there's a natural fit between agent and lender to provide that joint accountability. So I think that's one place. Just, just working as a team and providing that back and forth can be really valuable. The mm -hmm. other place where I think you can really get a lot of value from a good lending relationship as an agent is in marketing and, in, and not just in marketing, but in ideas and brainstorming. And that kind of goes back to that accountability piece, but actually putting those plans into place. Uh, we regularly do joint marketing with our referral partners that are agents that are really active and we're doing stuff together. So we've done Christmas events and parties and summer parties and pool parties, a lot of parties, um, just get-togethers and client appreciation things. Um, we've done some joint marketing uh, with different systems where we send out um, postcards to clients. You and I do that together yeah. uh, to just stay in front of people. And I think so. so looking at ways where you're trying to communicate to the same group of people and you can double the spend or maybe double the value for the same spend and everybody kind of participates rather than the lender doing this and the agent doing that when you combine forces in a legally uh, compliant way. So what, what do you mean by that deal. legally compliant way? And, and I'll share a story before yeah, I get do into it. this really quick. Again, when I was working with you, I remember calling a, uh, so I wasn't a real estate agent at the time, I'm a mortgage lender. I is, this, is this confessional? Should I put like a thing in the other <laughs> no, way? No, no. Okay. The other guy should. Okay. The other guy should. Um, but I called up this real estate agent and I said, hey, I'd like to work with you, you know, because you're trying to teach us to create relationships with real estate agents. And he says, what will you give me? Yeah. And I'm like, hmm? I said, what do you, what do you mean? Because I was kind of taken aback by mm -hmm. that. I mean, I hadn't been doing this for very long, but I could remember going through school and learning yeah. certain things. That, and he says, well, the, the last lender that I worked with gave me a set of golf clubs. What will you give me? <laughs> and I'm like, that's not legal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I won't be giving you anything. I guess we're not working together. And, you know, hang up, move on. But I was completely shocked. Just bold as brass. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. What will you give me? And so... When we're talking about doing these joint activities together, there are laws yeah. that, that regulate. Were there laws back then? It was uh, the Wild he, West. It was. That, there that were, was there. but were they regulated? Or is there any kind of supervision? I remember that there was a law about that. Yeah, but, yeah, that was not okay, and it still isn't. Yeah. But is it enforced? And, and what's interesting about that is there's still a lot of stuff like that, maybe not quite as overt that goes on. Um, I don't know if the enforcement is really proactive on that type of activity as Maybe, it should be. Can you give me some names? Because I have gotten some good You've gotten very few golf clubs <laughs> since we started working together. I, I can't think of a single golf club I that you've a, received. I got a birthday coming up. That's right. <laughs> I'd like to get some. Yeah, well, let me, let me see what Goodwill has on their offering. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll send you a link. Um, no, so, 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 yeah, so yeah, you're you talking do? about doing all this joint marketing and, and working together with an agent, which, quite frankly, I love. And I love it for two reasons. But the first reason, well, you mentioned it is I can make my marketing dollars go twice mm -hmm. as far. But, but the second reason, and this is personal to me, I'm not a creative person. Like, I'm really good at systems. It's just me personally. I've got agents that we've interviewed that are super creative. They're amazing. And I sit there and I'm in awe of what their brain comes up with. And I'm not that guy. I know I'm not that guy. But 
you're much more that person. And not only that, but because you're working with so many agents, you can say, you know what, we've done this and this, and this worked really good. And we tried this with this person, and that yeah. didn't work so good. And having somebody that's experienced with working with different agents can cut out a lot of the trial and error, which can be a very expensive, right? It, it can be. And I mean, it, it has been. I've 27 years. Yeah. And everybody wants a silver bullet, right? Everybody wants this one marketing thing, this one idea that's going to go and just run wild and take care of all their business needs. They can just put in a quarter and turn it on and it runs. Or put in $20,000, any amount of money, right? And just feed money into a machine and somehow transactions are going to come out on the other end. Mm -hmm. And my experience is that it doesn't exist. And if somebody knows where that silver bullet is, please bring it to me because I'd love to have a place that I could just feed money in and never touch it again. I don't think that exists in our business because it's a relationship-based business yeah. in our industry, right? Yeah. It, you, can, you can do all kinds of great systems, but you've got to have the right content. You've got to have the right delivery, and you've got to have a personal connection. And really, Absolutely. the system leads to connection or the system fails. Absolutely. And so there's not really one method in my experience that's going to create an ongoing stream of business in and of itself. You've got to have all these other pieces in place. And so having another person you can sit down with and talk to and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Is it working? Is it not working? What's some other ideas you have? I think that's super valuable. Over and above maybe splitting some expenses, just having somebody who's working with you towards the same end goal but coming at it from a different perspective, super valuable in my mind. So tell me a little bit about RESPA. What are the rules? Ah, Real Estate Settlement Providers Act is what you're asking. See, look. Mm. Yeah, see? That law degree just came in handy for like 30 seconds. What I a good way to spend was, my uh, really educated super producer. Yes, award. yes, it is that. That's it's that too. Not, no, no, that's no? behind you. Um, <laughs> so for yeah, yeah, calling attention. yeah, calling attention to the. Appreciate it. Yes, the uh, <laughs> graveyard behind you, all the tombstones. I love them. Yeah. Um, the the question really that I get asked often is, okay, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And what I would tell agents very frequently is, if somebody comes to you with an idea of, hey, I'm going to give you this when you send me my business, send me your business. Maybe that's not a person you want to do business with, not number one, because it might not be compliant, but number two, if that's all they've got, if all they've got is I'm going to give you money and or I'm going to give you stuff or I'm going to give you golf clubs, golf clubs, whatever, mm. and that's the reason why you should send your clients to me, what that should tell you is they don't have really good reasons to earn the business. They got to buy it. Yeah. And there's and nothing wrong with sharing expense, but if that's your, that's your like number one value add maybe that's not going to be the best deal for your clients. And it scares me for two reasons. Either they don't know the law, which is not somebody I want to be working with, yeah. or they know it and blatantly disregard it, which is definitely somebody oh, yeah. I don't want to be working with. And so, but, but yeah, you got a valid point too, that if that's the only way they get their business, then... Then, then where does that leave their service, their pricing, their rates, what the satisfaction of the client's going to be afterwards... Um, so what can you do? Yeah, what does RESPA say about What this? does RESPA say? So I'm going to just go on record and say I'm not a RESPA attorney, but here's my understanding of RESPA. Um, my understanding and the way that we've implemented it is you can share marketing expenses for genuine marketing activities. So you're going to do an activity together, and you're going to invite clients from both of your books of business. Great, you can share some expenses on that based on kind of a pro rate of share of either who you're inviting or how you're getting value from it, or if you're sending out a postcard, what percentage of that postcard are you using? And you can look at that and share those expenses based on actual use of those marketing materials. And so I think that works out really great. So we've done events. Uh, we did a, an event with an agent that works with Equity. And they were um, doing a Star Wars event. This was back when Star Wars movies were coming out every 15 minutes. And so we did a Star Wars event. So we dressed up in 
Jedi robes and we got our lightsabers and we went to the movie theater. It was really fantastic. It was not on Halloween. And uh, we got strange looks, but invited all of our clients. It was great. And they came and watched a movie and some people donated some stuff and it was awesome. And we shared expenses on that because it was a really good way to create connections with people and get in front of a really great group of people. And that was fantastic. Um, we've done mailers and we've done classes and different types of activities uh, that are all really great and could be really effective. But you just have to, in my experience, be really careful that you're looking at what are the real expenses, what are the real value, what's the use, and make sure that you're prorating that cost appropriately so that you're not crossing lines. Yeah. Um, a few extra bucks of marketing expense is definitely not worth getting your name on the back page of the newsletter. So I'm just going to call this out for all the agents watching this. Like you had commented, and, and I don't know how much it was regulated back in the wild days, like we said, back you know before. Yeah. When, when the market crashed in 08, a lot, of, a lot of things tightened up. And we're heading there right now. Not that we're heading to a market crash, but we're heading to an industry consolidation, and it's going to yeah. feel in some ways like that because that market crash consolidated both of our industries. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to get the same sense of industry consolidation and shenanigans, which I think you're going to talk about. Yeah, there, there might be some house cleaning coming. Yeah. Um, so, but you did mention that you're not sure how much of it's regulated. Here's the funny thing about this, though is that we're printing stuff out. And they can look at it and say, okay, you've got two-thirds of the page and the lender has one-third of the page. And so did you have two-thirds of the costs? Prove that to me. Did, yeah, you know, where's your or, counting? Or did you split it 50-50 because you didn't? And so it, it is interesting in these marketing types of things how easy it is to prove that you didn't follow the rules. Yes. And so the rules are very simple. If, if you used a third of the page and I got two-thirds of it, I pay two-thirds of it, you pay one-third of it, right? If we're joint doing joint marketing and both of us are splitting it equally, we get to split it 50-50. And that's it. And and no, I don't get golf clubs from you. I, Not even if they have my if, logo on them. If you saw my <laughs> golf clubs, th that is the <clears throat> easiest proof ever that I have never gotten a gift. <laughs> <laughs> from anybody of value. <laughs> I've got some old clubs I inherited from my dad. Nice. But my nice set cost me a hundred dollars that's Ooh. not for a club that was the entire that's set big including right the there. bag yeah i know i yeah. know and and <laughs> i mean that was pre pre-inflation my, my game would be 110 dollars now <laughs> really going for the bro so okay so you can do uh, so let me let me make a comment yeah. on that i think that if you want to make sure you're complying a really good idea if you're going to co-market with a lender and an agent is to use use systems that have that built in so um i mentioned one that we we use together that does um uh Postcards, yeah, right? And they deal with the compliance and make sure that it's accounted for properly, which is great because then you're not having to go do that. But if you're going to go do an event, then you've got to really look at it and say, okay, what's the advertising? What's the value? What's mm -hmm. You've got to be really careful with that. And, yeah. and when I say it's not regulated, it's not that it's not regulated. It's just it doesn't always feel like those regulations. There's somebody watching the store. Mm -hmm. You might feel like you can get away with it because you know somebody who did it. And I hear this all the time, and I hear it from people in our industry, and I hear it from my kids, which should tell you something. Well, so-and-so does this, and nobody said anything to them about it. Yeah. Okay, that's a really good sign that there's a problem if that's your go-to, is somebody else did it, and, yeah. and it looked okay, and they got away with it. Not a great reason to move forward. And so I think it's really important when you're doing those activities to just look at them individually and say, are we doing this the right way? You know, not only is this going to work, which, you know, you should look at, but are we... Are we being compliant in the way that we're advertising, that we're executing, and that we're going to be sharing these expenses? And there's great ways to do it. And I, I, I really wish all of my agents would watch this. I know that that's a, a pipe dream. It doesn't happen. 
but if they did, especially my newer agents, because I've had so many examples over the years where a new agent watched something like this, and then somebody came to them and said, we've been doing it like this for 20 years, and it's the, the lender and the title company, and, and, and they've come to me and they're like, didn't we talk about this? Isn't, this isn't right, is it? And just because they had heard about it, they didn't know all the details, they didn't have a complete mm -hmm. understanding of it or the rules, but they heard a little bit in a training somewhere, or they watched our podcast, and it was just enough to encourage them to go to their managing broker, me in this case, and ask that question. And I'm like, oh, they've been doing this for 20 years, you say? And I called up the, in this case, it was a different lender, not you, but I knew the manager. He worked, in my he worked in my building. So I go to the manager and I say, are you aware of this? And his words were, damn it. <laughs> so yes then. <laughs> and, and he's like, I've actually talked to them about this before. I'm going to have to terminate her. Good. And I went back to my agent and I said, this is really serious. That, that lender that's been doing this for 20 years and presented it to you mm -hmm. like it's normal had actually already been rep reprimanded for it by their manager and they're getting terminated for this. I'm so glad you didn't get rolled up in it because it is not a defensible yeah. position when you're dragged Somebody in front of with it. Yeah, when you're dragged in front of this and you say, well, they've been doing it for 20 years. doesn't matter. It's like the car in front of me ran the red light too. Okay. Yeah. Well, sorry. And, and I, I should <clears throat> clarify my good comment. Good, I'm glad that other people are looking at this and saying we're not going to allow shenanigans. Right. Because it just, it, it damages the industry. It gives us a bad reputation. And it, and it hurts the consumer at the end of the day when you're not following the rules. Those rules are generally in place for consumer protection. And if we all follow the same rule book, then the consumer really is the one who wins at the end right. of the day. It's the client who's going to win at the end of the day because there's transparency. Mm -hmm. And they know, okay, if I'm getting a referral from Eric to a title company or to a mortgage lender, it's not because they're slipping him a little money on the side. It's because this is somebody who he feels confident and can trust that I'm going to deliver yep. for that person. And, and I think that's a huge value add for people. Exactly. So, which goes back to your question you asked is what can we add value? So I think marketing is one place. I think knowledge is another one. Um, I think it would be really great if every realtor had a basic working knowledge about how the loan industry works. And I don't think you need an in-depth knowledge. They certainly don't need to be a loan originator, but just a basic working knowledge of, okay, what are the parts of the transaction? How does it happen? What are the key pieces? And that's going to come from training how, and from time. Yeah, how would they get that? I uh, mean, I, I would tell them to, you know, sit down and go to lunch with you or yeah, something. Right. You know, maybe, maybe sit down, go to lunch or some lunches. Maybe there's some training that they can go through. Maybe coming to a training meeting that their broker puts on, <laughs> um, watching podcasts. Um, going to a trusted source and saying, hey, explain this to me. Uh, and then sometimes I think that agents don't even know what questions to ask because it yeah. is a foreign language in many ways. But just having a basic working knowledge of how does the lending world work so that when questions come up, they can at least understand what the answer is. And, and I don't think that anybody ought to be answering somebody else's questions, right? But the reality is most people, when they're doing a real estate transaction, they assume that the lender knows all. Or the, the, not the lender, the realtor the knows realtor. all, right? The realtor right. is their go-to. You're the face of the transaction. Yep. And you're meeting with them, you're walking through the house, you're showing them all this stuff, you're giving them all this great advice. And so your goal is to have them trust you and trust your advice. And if you've done a great job with that, they're going to ask you questions. Yeah. And so at least if you have a working knowledge to say, you know, here's, here's the question you should ask your lender. In general terms, this is the idea, but let's get your lender on the phone and ask. And then they can yeah. understand the answer. And I always tell them you don't need to be the source for everything. You, can, you need to be the source for the source. 
There you go. But in order to do that, you kind of have to have some knowledge to know where does my job stop? And it's yeah. not because I'm lazy and it's not because I don't want to do more. It's because if I move beyond this point, I'm either breaking the law, I'm creating liability. I'm not the person that's getting training on lending every single day yeah. like you are. And, and it's actually one of the reasons I had both my licenses for a year, you know, lender. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, the, the first year the state required a test because when I started, you didn't even have to yeah, do that. Yeah, I know. You just had a license. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Prove your identity. But I took the test and I passed the test and I was duly licensed for a year. And I thought, this is almost impossible to stay up on everything yeah. that you need to know on both sides of this fence. And so you do get to a point where as a good agent, you say, this isn't my job. Let's make sure that this person takes care of you. You know, I'm not going to go out and pace through a field and say, this should be the corner of the property because I right. read, you know, and, and I used to train that in real estate school. And I'm like, you guys can't ever use this. <laughs> you know, please don't like, like you've got to call a surveyor. You shouldn't do it. You know? Yeah. And, and for certain things, you've got to call the lender. You have to have this communication with the lender. But one of the things that I have found most valid, valuable about having you, because you, you come and you frequent our office meetings and you're there and you're constantly sharing things for, from your side of the aisle and you see things differently than us. And because of that, we have a much richer experience at all of our office meetings because of, of how you see things from a different perspective. And so I look at that and the agents and what happens is they're able to say, you know what, I've got this person with this problem and what can I do? And I've got this person with this problem and we become problem solvers. That's and there's, there's a great value associated with that. But if I don't have a great lender that I can trust and rely on, my problem solving ability plummets. Okay. Yeah. Not just for buyers, but even working with sellers because I'll have buyers that come and we go under contract and they're struggling with a few things. And there's been a lot of times where I've said, you need to ditch that lender and come and talk to this well, and person. And we're in a weird market right now where there's very much trying to hit a moving target sometimes with getting a loan funded and mm -hmm. guidelines are changing or circumstances are changing. And, you know, it's just a, an, it's a uniquely unusual and challenging environment. I would say that the majority of transactions that we're working on in my office that come through my office right now have something that happens in the middle of the transaction that could completely derail it. And if we haven't, you know, seen it before and done it before, or we don't have a really good idea, or we can go and consult with, you know, each other as a team, um, with the lenders and with the realtor, with the title, and just kind of come up with a solution, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. And there's been many times, I mean, I could think of three times in the last week on files that we've closed in my office where if we hadn't have been able to sit down and say, okay, here's our decades of experience together working on this issue, how do we fix this problem? They wouldn't have been buying in their house. And I think that's gonna be more common as, as the market continues to do strange things in the finance world. And I gotta be honest with you, there's a lot of members of the public out there that are thinking, why couldn't I just be a for sale by owner? It's mm -hmm. easy, I'll go buy my sign at Lowe's. Or I'll just go buy a house myself and you know I don't need yeah. a real estate agent to help me buy a house. Um, you know, like the lender can help me yeah. or whatever. I hate, and I know I'm not the only one, there are a lot of realtors that are experienced realtors that really hate working with somebody that is unlicensed because the first bump that comes along, that deal falls apart. They well, don't or, know how to solve problems. Or they don't know how to legally solve problems. There you go. Right, yeah. and they do things they are gonna put you in jeopardy. 
yeah. or they suggest or propose or they want to find workarounds that maybe make sense, but they don't fit the guidelines or they don't fit I the law. I see that all the time. And then, the you, and, and then your really license scary. is in jeopardy because you're involved in a transaction that, you know. Or if you're an unrepresented client, I don't know how many of them are watching this right yeah. now, but they're going through thinking, you know, I'm operating in good faith. Surely there's somebody that I can yeah. sue if this goes right. wrong. <laughs> and Surely there's someone I can <laughs> sue. <laughs> and, uh, and they get themselves into a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, they really do. Or they just don't get the end result they're hoping for because... Yeah. or they're losing $50,000 yeah. in earnest money or the house that they loved. And and then they get divorced because their wife is like, oh, but I loved that house and I wanted that house and now I'm so mad at you. This and is going all the way... To, this is a long-running path. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you something you brought up that I really... I feel strongly about. I am not dual licensed in anything. Sorry, you were going to... Let me finish yeah, that finish point that really quick, back. though. If you're not using a great lender and a great real estate agent then you're headed towards a divorce and financial ruin and depression and sadness and living in a gunny sack under a cardboard box in the corner. I'm just going to put that That's out the there. That's the only possible outcome. That is the only possible outcome. You heard it here first. All That's right. fair. Now, I, I can't dispute that. I mean, I can see no other possible solution. <laughs> I, I, I might also say you won't get the result you're hoping for, but for sure, the gunny sack. <laughs> Nobody's like, hoping for that result. I'm like we're the hobo this, knife, right? We're talking the same You're going to eat here. with a spork for the rest of your life because that's all you're going to have. That's it. You get one spork. Okay. Now you're not going okay. sporks. That's one of the greatest inventions. I know, but if you, you only know. have the one, right? It's you true. Know? Okay, true. so we digress. But <laughs> what I really think is wise is to know what you do and to do it well and to go and find people to partner with and team up with that know what they do and do it well. And I often think, okay, if you're really good at what you do, why do you need to do 10 things? And I understand the idea of multiple streams of income, and I understand the idea of diversification, but I've seen enough in the real estate world and mortgage and title and all these other things that people that are really good at what they do do really well in all kinds of economies. I mean, I've seen multiple yeah. recessions and uh, 2001 and you know 9-11, which was awful, and um, the real estate crash in 2008 and the recovery in all of these different markets and 20, you know, 2022 and COVID, all these crazy things. And I've seen that people who are really good at what they do and just repeatedly do it well and connect well with people do really well financially. Yeah. And you don't need to wear 10 different hats. And in fact, I think it dilutes your ability to deliver. And so I would encourage people who are thinking, well, I could get do a license. That sounds like a good idea. And sometimes I can do this one and sometimes I can do that one. Maybe if that's your game. But I think you're going to be more effective. You're going to be better off financially. You're going to deliver better service. You're going to be a better quality experience for people. And you're going to do just fine financially and do really well if you get really good at what you want to be doing and then just do it. If you want to be a realtor, be a realtor. You want to be a lender, be a lender. You want to be an insurance agent, be an insurance agent. You want to be all three, pick one and get awesome at it. Yeah. That's my personal opinion because I've seen people that try and wear those multiple hats and exception to every rule, Generally speaking, it's not as good as if they had just gotten great at being their thing and just did really well at it. I, I don't Gunny think you sack, have to go. Cardboard box. There's one outcome. Overpass. That's, yeah. that's, um, that's where it's heading. That does lead into my last From question. Now on. That does lead into my last okay. question for you. So you work with a lot of agents, right? You work with brand new agents. You work with experienced agents. Some are highly successful. Some really struggle. Do you see any commonalities, common traits Amongst, success, amongst the successful agents. That's a tongue twister. That is and, and the reason why I bring this up is because everybody that I've interviewed, I found it fascinating. I've interviewed some of my top agents. Yeah. Not one of them has done things exactly the same way as everybody else. I can't, I can't look to somebody and say, 
this is exactly what you do. They all have different strengths. They have different personalities. Mm -hmm. um, and the ones that do really well find great ways to capitalize on their strengths. And then they either get teams in place or other people in place to help compensate for their weaknesses. But they found a way to overcome yeah. that. But have you seen any commonalities? Yeah. Well, and it's <clears throat> interesting. You, you're probably in the same place where you do this for a while and you can start picking out patterns, right? And so at this point, when I meet somebody, they're a new agent, they're newly licensed, they're six months into it, and I can, within about three questions, probably tell them what their success rate is going to be. And it's going to be, you know, what are you doing? You know, how are you doing it? What's your plan? You know, what's your execution method? You know, who's your audience? And if they don't know the answers to those, it's going to be a struggle for them. Um, or if what they're doing is, well, I'm just going to do this part-time while I do my other thing, kind of easing into it, which I get. I understand the mm -hmm. need to do that. It's a commission-based business. But depending on how long that easing transition takes is a pretty good indicator of, of where that career is going to go. And you may have seen the same thing. And so here's what I've seen from people, whether they're brand new or they're 20 years in the business that makes them really successful. And I think one of them is focus. They're able to just focus on what they're doing. And maybe they're only focusing on it for two hours a week or for 40 hours a week. But when they're a real estate agent, they can focus on that. They can focus on their plan. And they can just say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to have a focused effort on what I'm going to do. And the second one, I think, is execution. Um, you can have all the plans in the world. And you can come up with great ideas. And we've, we've seen people have great yeah. ideas. I have great ideas. I have 50 great ideas a day. Mm -hmm. um, but executing on those ideas is the challenge. And so if someone's constantly coming up with new ideas and getting distracted by this new concept that's out there, uh, you, you don't get any traction and you don't move forward. And yeah. so when I see someone who, and there's agents who will call me, hey, I got this great new idea. This is what we're going to do. And this, here's this new concept. And here's this new thing. And I love that. Because if we're, if we're brainstorming and saying, okay, here's 10 great ideas, awesome. Which one are we doing? Yeah. And which one are we going to do in 90 days? Because we can't do them all. Mm -hmm. And so I think just the ability to execute and say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I struggle, right? Everyone, I think, might struggle with that to some degree of just getting focused and executing on that great idea. But if you want to find success as a real estate agent, figure out how are you going to focus on what you're doing and how are you going to execute on your plan. And like you said, it doesn't really matter what the plan is. There are so many different ways to connect with people. And that's the third one. I think you have to be someone who wants to connect with people. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be willing to step outside of your comfort zone and wear your name tag at the grocery store if that's who you want to be or stick your face on a billboard or go make Instagram videos or get on YouTube and make a cooking channel or just go talk to people when you see them or go attend events or go join a networking group or send out mailers or go knock doors or any of the different things. All of those plans are going to work for somebody if they just are executing on it, if they have focus, and, and they're just going to go and do it. And then the last piece, I think, is you got to be consistent. Whatever you decide you're going to do, you've got to just continue to move forward if it's a good idea, right? Like, you can consistently suck. But, but if you're in the habit of evaluating what you're doing as you yeah. go and you do it consistently, if you're, if you're jumping from one thing to the next to the next to the next, you can't properly evaluate the results of yeah. anything that you're doing. But if you do something consistently and you're evaluating consistently, then you can see, does this work for me? Do I need to switch? Do I need to maybe just tweak this a little bit? Mm -hmm. But to me, everything that you're describing is part of the business plan training right. that we talk about. You know, you have a business plan that helps you have your focus. You have a very clear direction of what it is that you that you have to do, first of all, to survive. And then there you break your plan down into, you know, daily objectives, daily tasks. Okay, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm going to do today. 
and then you have your focus on doing that. And at the end of the day, you go back and you look and, and you evaluate and you say, how did my plan that I thought, you know, if I contacted these people, I thought I would have these results. Did that actually pan out? Do I need to tweak it a little bit? And so everything that you're saying, if I were to sum it up in a little bit, is treat this like a business. Yes. Right? And, and, and it goes back to my original comment. Of, there's no silver, silver bullet. There's no one thing that some agent is going to do that I'm going to do with that agent. That's one thing that they do. There's their hidden secret. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make me successful. I was talking to an agent that I know that has been very successful for a long time. And he's, he's got a couple of really good ideas that he consistently does. And I asked him, like, man, how did you come up with that idea? And he goes, honestly, I just somebody else was doing it. And I asked him if I could do it. And they said, sure. So I just did it. And I've done it for the last 15 years. And it was the consistency. It wasn't like he had some genius idea. Yeah. He just did it and did it again and again and again. And it worked. And, you know, once he found success. And I think that comes along with, comes along with the idea you have to have a realistic expectation, right? You, you start off on some new marketing venture. You're going to be a real estate agent. It's going to take a while for that marketing effort to take effect, for what you're doing to take effect. And mm-hmm. I think people would like to go and knock on one door and close a transaction. But yeah. you're going to knock on 500 doors and close a transaction. You're going to do Instagram videos for a year and start getting leads. You're going to do a podcast for a while before you start getting traction with it. And so I think where it becomes challenging is to do something that you don't feel is producing the results because you're measuring the results wrong. And so mm-hmm. if your results are, is this getting me a transaction? I think it's gonna cause a lot of frustration for agents as they're trying to get started or even if they're continuing on a marketing idea. For me, I like to say, okay, is this creating a connection? What connections are you creating with this activity? Because we know the connections are gonna result in the transactions. Yeah. But if you're trying to get to the transaction, you're gonna stop before you get there because it might take six months for it to work, but if you're saying, boy, I'm connecting, 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 and then genuinely going and creating those into a, an off online thing, you're in a real life circumstance, I think that can be super valuable. So that's, that's where I'm And go. just to bring this around full circle, one of the very first things that you said in this interview was this is a people business. This is a business of connecting. You know, it, it's one where I'm connecting to you right now, you know, where we connect every week and we, we can brainstorm together and we can try new things and we're learning and growing faster than I would just on my own. It's a, it's a business of connection with our clients. You know, we, we become better communicators with them. We, we provide more solutions. The more you and I are connected, the more I can connect with them as well. Mm-hmm. And the better I do at connecting with them, I can actually teach them and help them to connect me to other people as well. Because, I, you know, we can have that conversation that, hey, tell your friend, I did a great That's job. I did for you. And, and now I, you know, and it's this expanding connection network. But I love that. So, so something else that this brings to mind, and I think it's maybe a challenge in the lending world, maybe more than the realtor world, um, but I think it's everybody. And it's this idea that there's a limited amount of success available, mm-hmm. right? If that person's successful, they did a transaction. I didn't do that transaction. Yeah. If that person got that listing, well, I didn't get that listing. Why did my neighbor list with somebody else? You know, whatever it may be, now right? Now you're picking on me, Alan. <laughs> why, why, and I think that when you get caught in that idea that there's a limited amount of success available, then you want to just hoard it and hide it and keep it. Yeah. And what I found, going back to what makes agents successful, it's those who are willing to say, here's what I'm doing that's great. This could help you. Because mm-hmm. then somebody comes back to him and says, oh, well, here's what I'm doing that's great. This could help you. And, and that agent I referenced earlier where he's very successful, he has no original ideas. And he'll tell you up front, he's never had an original idea. 
he just cribs off the really smart people. Yeah. And by just being open and saying, hey, everybody can be successful, it's crazy how many doors that opens. Um, when I get myself into that mentality, instead of the idea of, oh, I've got my secret idea, I need to keep it. Which, you know, you mentioned you didn't use me for a while. Eric. Um, but honestly, <laughs> that's, I, I secretly love it. I secretly love it when agents that I've worked with for a few years do a transaction with somebody else. I kind of love it because maybe we're adding value in ways that sort of is forgotten. And then a transaction comes, they do a transaction somewhere else, and it goes just so bad. And I feel bad for the client, but not really for the agent so much, right? Kind of right. bad, right? Kind of yeah. bad. But I, you know, I'm like, I want everybody to win. I'm like, okay, good. Now, now next time, my value is a little more clear when you can compare it with something else. So it doesn't bother me at all when an agent I've worked with for years does a transaction somewhere else. I, I secretly kind of go, awesome, good. We'll see you in a month. I've had a similar experience where agents um, have told me uh, that they'll come and say, I don't know why I ever left or, or I've known you for 10 years and I just barely joined you and I can't believe I missed out on this for yeah. 10 years. You know, like I'm waiting for two days for my broker to call me back and they never do training and they mm -hmm. never, you know, and I'm like, yep, we're here. We're here. Just Turns out the grass is not always greener. Well, on my side, it is. <laughs> I mean, it is on like, your side. Yeah. Like, I've seen your yard. It's green. <laughs> so green. It's so green. <laughs> so patches good. of it really yeah, I mean, are. There's, there's patches where it's really green. It's amazing. Uh, final word. Um, final word. One thing I love, I wish agents knew better. I wish eight. We're going to edit that, right? Uh, no, no. That Perfect. Is, that's that is just stay. what I said earlier about how intelligent you are. Yes, and you thank just, you. Just comes just out, if, flows. If, if everybody slows that down, gonna, they'll have some so miraculous good. things unveiled to them. <laughs> yes, it will be. Um, I wish agents understood better why their client getting a good deal matters. I think sometimes agents think, well, I know that this lender has higher rates or costs, but they just are so good at service or whatever it may be. And so they don't really understand the value that they bring to the table by pointing people in the direction of somebody who's going to give them a really, a genuinely good deal on their mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, number one, I think, well, number one, obviously, if they're getting a better rate or a lower cost, it just adds buying power to that person's mm -hmm. ability to go out and buy the house they want. Number two, um, it's going to add a lot of opportunity for referrals down the road. There's been many times where I'm working with someone and maybe the agent referred them to another lender. And then they just happen to cross us through... They found us on Google or somebody referred them, whatever the case may be, and they're comparing the quotes, and they're like, you're $6,000 less. Why did my agent send me over to this place? Mm -hmm. Why did I, they not send me to you? And then that kind of fractures that relationship a little bit. Yeah. And so I think it's really valuable for agents to really understand what's the cost differential and what's the, the, the service and the cost differential for the people they're sending to. And I think that goes for title companies. I think it goes for everybody you're gonna refer your clients to. It genuinely matters to your client how much money they have to spend to get that service yes. for almost everyone. Yeah. Every now and there's the rare client who says, listen, I don't care. I just want it to be super easy. Awesome. Well, we can do that too. But um, there's a real value in understanding how to bring monetary value to your clients that I think sometimes agents don't understand. And so they work off of a friendship or they went to a great event and boy, that was super fun. And aren't they cool? Not realizing they could bring a lot more value by being aware of what that um, cost and monetary expenses mm -hmm. to the client and and when they open their eyes up to that i've seen that for agents you've asked what makes agents successful i've seen agents find a great deal of success by genuinely finding ways to zealously represent their clients money yeah and and people become 
really great avid referral sources. There's my final word. Thank you. And I get the final word because my show. Um, I'll just add to that because I've, I've had people that I've called friends, title companies. I've got one story in particular, and my client got burned really badly because they took it for granted. Um, I have no qualms telling you to your face that there was a time where I felt like I was taken for granted, so I took my, my business elsewhere for years now. I haven't felt that way. You have done such a phenomenal job. Yeah, you really have. Thanks, Eric. But if you didn't do a phenomenal job, regardless of our 23-year history, I wouldn't work with you. And I think agents need to be that way. And it sounds harsh. And hopefully you don't take that the wrong way. I love it. It, it, it should be the only way. You don't work with somebody because they're giving you golf clubs. You don't work with somebody because they're just your friend. You don't work with somebody because they're your cousin, twice removed, or whatever. You work with somebody because they're excellent at what they do. And that's why I work with you. And I Thanks, appreciate Rick. you joining me today. Thanks, Thanks for letting me come on. And that's a wrap for today's episode. We hope you found the discussion valuable. Remember, if you're looking to take your own real estate career to the next level, be sure to visit EliteAgentTraining.com for our exclusive training program. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new agent or a veteran in the industry. If you're looking to increase your business, this program will get you there. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more valuable insights and tips. Until next time.